the Lord is good. The Lord is good. He has shown up today. He is already here and He is at work. Um, Holy Spirit, I don't know if y'all can feel it, but I can feel it. <sighs> I mean, this is, this is some good stuff. We starting off with a, a baptism right here out of the gate, 2022. Praise God for what He's going to do. Like, this is, this is only the beginning, right? <clears throat> look, look, we are open to what it is and where it is that God is going. We just want to go and be a part of those things. And, and we are so, so, so grateful. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be looking at the story today of the woman at the well. We're going to be looking specifically at John chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. And uh, taking a look at those things. I will go ahead, as you're flipping there, apologize to you ahead of time, because although I'm a pastor and I tell you, hey, leave your phones turned off and those sorts of things, mine has to stay on today because I also work for Norton Healthcare and I'm on call. So if this thing happens to go off, I'll just ask for forgiveness up front. Um, but uh, I will make it go off or turn off as soon as I possibly can there. Um, but... But here's the thing, don't worry, I'm not going to stop preaching so that I can do that. It's Lord, Lord comes first, so I don't want y'all to worry about that. Um, you all are here for the duration, hope you packed a lunch. Um, so we're going to be looking again, like I said, at John chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. Um, and, and, and again, it's just this story of, of Jesus encountering this woman at the well. And as we unravel, and, and it's going to go from this week, Lord willing, into next week, as long as you know the floods and the tornadoes will will allow. It's you know the, the the things that unfold here are amazing, and and the and the the way that Jesus is showing his love in the midst of a people who were looked so down upon. It's amazing to see the way that Jesus interacts with this woman, and. And it's really, it's a calling for, for how we should be living our lives. We should be living as closely as we can to Jesus. And we're going to get to see the way that he interacts with this woman. This, this woman that, that really, most of the people in the surrounding area looks upon and just despises who she is, what she stands for. Who just, it, even if they don't know her, they just simply make judgment against her. And so, as I said, we're going to take a look at that together. Verse, starting there at verse, verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, and then it says, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had uh, any and he, had, uh, I'm sorry, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, uh, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, from, uh, water and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, 
have, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? And are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have come and have to come here to draw water. Now, there's, there's several things that, that this starts off with. First and foremost, it mentions here that, that Jesus has learned that the Pharisees know something. That the Pharisees have heard that Jesus is now starting to baptize more people than John the Baptist. And, and, and here's the thing. John the Baptist was already a problem for the Pharisees, for the Sadducees, for all, for all of these religious leaders. He was already a problem. John the Baptist was just doing what he was doing. And now we get Jesus who they say he's baptizing even more people. In, in chapter, uh, uh, early on in chapter 3, I believe, it said, it said that, uh, that one of John the Baptist's disciples came up to him and he said, hey, like, people are going over to Jesus to get baptized. Like, are you, are you cool with that? And he's like, I'm more than fine with that. He, he, was, he was thankful. He was, remember, because here we go, church, you ready? He said, behold, the Lamb of God, right? He was excited about the fact that Jesus was doing even more. And that was the thing. John the Baptist knew that, that's was, that that was the case. John the Baptist wasn't supposed to do more than Jesus. He was always just supposed to be there to what? Prepare the way. And so here's Jesus that, that the Pharisees are going, he's baptizing even more people. We thought John the Baptist was a problem. Look at this guy. Except that Scripture tells us it says Jesus himself didn't baptize, but only his disciples. And there's, there's some thoughts and ideas around maybe why that is. And one of the things that, that scholars come up with is they didn't want people to boast or brag about the fact that they were baptized by Jesus himself. That's one of the things. Because, because we don't want to be able to boast in anything except the Lord. And what would people do, right? People would run up and be like, ha! I got baptized by Jesus. You got baptized by John the Baptist. Whoop! You know, like, it would just be crazy. They would be excited about the fact that, like, I got baptized by the Jesus. Like, you, yours isn't as good as mine. They didn't want people to boast about that. Instead, what we also know is that Jesus came to do what? Came to save and to disciple people to lead people to him. And so if Jesus is the one doing all the baptisms, what does that leave for the disciples? The disciples had to learn how to do this work. Jesus was training them up to be able to do the work that needed to be done. Now, we get to see that, that Jesus, we're going to put that in sort of parentheses and quotes and all that, that Jesus is baptizing even more people, and the Pharisees have now learned about this, and they're not happy about it, they're not excited about it, and so it says that he left Judea and began to head for, towards Galilee. Now, it's not that Jesus is really worried. He's not worried about the fact that the Pharisees know these things. 
He's not, he's not worried about being confronted by the Pharisees and, and, and any sort of a problem that's to come. Because if you look back um, at the end of chapter 3, it says that, uh, it, it says, God has sent, uh, God has, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son, has given all things into his hand. That's what it says at the end of chapter 3. Jesus isn't worried that the, that the Pharisees know he's in the process of baptizing more people than even John the Baptist. He's not concerned with what they think at all. And you'll get to see that even further through the, through the rest of the Scriptures where he approaches them and says, you hypocrites. He's not worried about the way that he deals with them or what they think of him or, or, or any of the repercussions to come. However, one thing he is concerned with is doing what the Father has commanded him to do and doing it rightly. See, Jesus is perfect. He listens to the commands. He is obedient to the Father. And the time just simply wasn't there. It wasn't the right time. So Jesus leaves Judea. He departs, it says, again for Galilee. It says that as he goes, it says he had to pass through Samaria so that he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. There's a couple of key words there that I want you to just pause on. Notice that it says he had to pass through Samaria. Did he have to? No. Here's the, here's the thing you need to know about the, Samaritan, uh, the, the people of Samaria and, and the Jews. They don't like each other at all. And they, the Jews avoided the people of Samaria at all costs, which means that they went around the town so that they didn't have to go through it. Because even just the mere point of walking through the town of Samaria made them ceremonial unclean, ceremonially unclean. When you become unclean, do you know what you have to do for a time period? You have to walk through either your town going, unclean, unclean, the whole time that you are. Nobody wants to do that. Right? I mean, let's just be honest. So what did they do? They went all the way around the city so that they can completely avoid this group of people. They... They wanted nothing to do with them. They didn't want, they, here, here's the thing. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds. That's what, that's what scholars called them, half-breeds. Some of them were part Jewish. Some of them were part Gentile. People just looked at them and said, y'all don't know what you are. We don't like you because you're a mixture of these two things. We don't like you because of the color of your skin. We don't like you because of your heritage. We don't like you because of who you are, what you preach, what you practice. Doesn't that sound a whole lot like racism? Doesn't that sound a whole lot like what we have going on in the world around us today? Especially you go back, you know, 40s, 50s. It's an ugly thing. It's a very ugly thing. And, and here's the thing. Also, the Samaritans, they were politically on the wrong side of things. There was like Mesopotamia that they were involved with. Uh, there was, um, they had their own um, version of the, the first five books of the Bible, uh, the Pentateuch, I always screw that word up. John, if y'all can't say it, don't worry about it, I can't either. And then uh, it says they built their own temple on Mount Gerizim. Like they were doing their own things, and that wasn't okay with the Jewish people. And so therefore, they just said, you know what, I'm, I'm, 
we're just cutting them off. We're not going to have anything to do with those people. They were unclean, they were defiled, and they were an unwanted people group. It's plain and simple, they were sinners, and they were afraid that, that those sinners would infect everybody else. It was terrible. Jesus, however, saw this as a mission field. Jesus, it says, had to walk through Samaria. He didn't have to. He's Jesus. He does whatever he wants to do. Because in the, the end of chapter 3, it says that God, the Father, gave everything to him. He was in control. Jesus is fully man, and he is fully God. Period. He didn't have to walk through Samaria. That was a mission field that was there and waiting. And Jesus knew that he had to go. So therefore, there's work to be done. He gets there, says in verse 6 that Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So we know that, you know, it says that he's sitting there uh, by Jacob's well. Jacob, a.k.a. Uh, Israel, the father of the 12 tribes, father of all nations. Um, it says that, that there he is at Jacob's well, and he's weary. He's been traveling, and now he is weary from his travels. His, his disciples have moved on. They went to go get something to eat so that they could bring that back to him. And they said, you know, Rabbi, you sit here and you rest. But we get to see that Jesus, wearied as he was, rests. This, again, points to the fact that Jesus is fully man. How does the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, Jesus, the Savior of the world, how does he get tired if he's not like us? Have you ever taken any sort of a long journey? Maybe you went on a hike or something. You know, you went, you went a pretty good distance. And you, you just, you're just like, man, I just got to sit here on this rock or this bench or whatever it is. I just, gotta, I just need a rest. That's how Jesus felt. It's not something you would expect from the Savior of the world. Who, who has everything that's been given to him in his hands by God the Father. It's not something you would expect. Not that type of, of reaction. Not that sort of physical draining. Yet, here we get to see that Jesus is just like us and he gets tired. Jesus gets frustrated. So frustrated, at one point, we've, we read a, a few weeks back, that he flipped over the money changers tables in, in the temple and drove out the animals. He gets angry. Jesus, if we will keep going and we'll see eventually that when his good, good, good friend Lazarus dies, that Jesus wept and cried because he's just like us. When God the Father sent him, and we just went through this season, sent him to be born of a virgin, of flesh. He's just like us. He experiences the same things that we experience. He, is he different? Yes. But is he the same? Yes. It's one of those conundrums where you go, it's different, but it's the same. It's, it's who Jesus is. He is fully human, and therefore, he gets tired, just like all of us do. It's amazing to see that somebody who, who has sat on the throne of heaven, that he reduced himself. Like, like I mean, really, really think about that. He reduced himself to be like us. 
just goes to show the love that he has from us or for us. Now, he's going to reveal as well, though, that he is fully God. And uh, in John chapter 3, verses 34 and 35, it says, For he whom God had sent unders the words of God, for he's given the Spirit without measure, the Father, and the, son, uh, the Father loves the Son, he's given all things into his hands. We're going to see the way that Jesus is going to interact with this woman. And it's going to take him from being fully man for her to come to this realization that he is also fully God. And she's going to, she's going to experience this. And this is midday. It's, it's noon. The sixth hour is noon. And, and he, you know, again, she's coming so that she can draw some water, whether it's for her, for her family, for some animals. It doesn't really tell us. It just All we know is that she came to this well and Jesus looks at her and he says, hey, give me a drink. She knows right off, just simply by looking at him, she knows right off. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, asks me for a drink? A woman of Samaria. Like, How, did, how is it that you are going to come here to this place, this spot, Jacob's well? You probably know who it is. How are you going to ask me for a drink? Jesus looks at her and says, if you knew the gift of God it is, and who it is that's saying this to you, if you know who's saying, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have said, um, it says you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I mean, I mean, think about that for a second. If you're approaching someone and he say, give me a drink of water. And then all of a sudden you come to this realization that that's Jesus. How do you think he would react? This woman who, who probably has heard about Jesus, she probably knows about some of the stories up to this point. He's done some miracles. Word spreads. This isn't, this isn't you know, just some little podunk town that's off the beaten path and they aren't aware. But, but she now is hearing and speaking to Jesus, and he's revealing to her this fact that he is fully God. He says, if you knew who you were talking to, if you knew who you were speaking to, if you knew who you were asking this question of, you'd be asking me for a drink. And I'd be able to give you something even better. The woman answers him there in verse 11. She says, sir, you've got nothing to draw water with. Just goes to show that our humanness just allows for us to be just ignorant enough. But she says, you, you don't have anything to draw water with. The well's deep. She's like, how, how and where are you getting that living water? She's at least interested. Isn't that true that oftentimes when we feel the Lord speaking to us, that we become at least interested? When we read His Word, don't we at least become interested in what it is that he's saying to us. When the Holy Spirit speaks, don't we, don't we at least give a pause and go, you know what, there's something there. Maybe I should, maybe I should pay attention to that. But then, but then something happens and we go, oh, maybe not today. Right? Sometimes we, we hold ourselves back and we're like, I don't know what to do with this thing that's happening to me. And so, so she's, she's asking questions. And questions are always good. I encourage anybody here ever if you ever feel like the Holy Spirit is talking to you and you just don't know what to do with it, ask questions. There's no wrong questions. There's no stupid questions. Ever. Find somebody you trust. A pastor, a friend, fellow Christian. 
ask some questions. But she says, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it from, his, uh, drank from, it from him, himself as did his sons and his livestock. You see, she wants to know, where are you getting this living water? And are you really greater than Jacob? Jacob, the one who the Lord has said, you're going to be the father of all nations. You're the father of the 12 tribes. But it's because of what she knows. And what she knows is that the Jews are against her. She knows that the Jews hate her. It's a strong word. We're told that when we have hatred in our hearts, that we've already committed murder against another. That's truth in that. You've, you've already killed a person. So if you have ever hated anyone in your life, you are guilty of murder. It's a hard thing to grasp and understand, but it's true. It's what Scripture tells us. That this woman knew that the Jews were prejudiced against her, that they were racist against her, and that they wanted a segregated situation between, between the Samaritans and the Jews. They didn't want to commingle. They had no desire to commingle. And, and the Samaritans weren't, weren't you know, uh, completely innocent in this either. They knew that that's how it was. They didn't make any efforts to do anything better or right or go and try to meet somebody halfway in the middle. They were both wrong. But this woman who knows that where things stand, she's worried about Jesus She's worried about him using the tools that she has. She's got probably something to scoop out the water out of the bucket. She's got the bucket itself to be able to lower it down and get the water. She's worried about Jesus using what she has instead of worried about Jesus giving her this living water. She starts going to these physical things, these small details that really don't matter because that's what we do. We, we, take, we take this larger issue at hand like our salvation and we like to to take and tuck it all away in this little box and say i can't do that because and then you could fill in your own blank she's like i can't receive this living water because you got to use my bucket i can't receive this living water you're gonna have to use the cup to put it into my bucket and drink it like how are you gonna give me this living water you don't have anything except that jesus has everything amen jesus is everything she is so worried about these minute details that absolutely don't matter. Jesus, Jesus knew that the Jews didn't interact with the Samaritans at all. He knew that. It's the reason he said, I have to go this way. I've got to go into Samaria. And so what Jesus is doing is he's beginning to break down barriers. In the 40s and 50s, we saw these same sorts of, sorts of things happening. Scripture, when we read Scripture, what we can see is that the things that happened way back here also happen way up here. In the Old Testament, it happens in the New Testament, it happened 2,000 years ago, and it happened 30, 40, 50 years ago. We get to learn from what's happening here, and because of our sinful nature, we are doomed to repeat history. Our sinful nature makes that happen. The enemy makes that happen. 
The devil loves to come into play here. He loves to come in and kill, steal, and destroy, right? That's who he is. He's the father and author of lies. And he will do whatever he has to do to keep people separated. But here's one single truth that everybody really needs to know. None of us would exist unless we come from the Father, amen? We are children of God. Every single person in the world. Are you an adopted son or daughter? Not until you have accepted the the salvation of Jesus Christ offered through His blood on the cross. There's a distinction. Are you a child of God? Yes, because God made every single person in the world. White, black, I don't care who you are, what nation you're from. God made everybody. He knew us before we were in the womb, it says. Everybody has been created by God in His image. I'll go all the way back to Genesis. He says, let us make man in our image. Nobody in this room exists except for the fact that God said, I want you here. We are all God's people. Every single person. And so the fact that you have this group of people in Samaria who are so worried that the Jews hate them, it's keeping her from realizing truth. Same sorts of things happened. Segregation was at its height back in the 40s and 50s. The whites and the blacks were at war with one another. The South did not like to commingle. Churches were were separated and segregated. Buses were, were separated and segregated. There was different water fountains. There was all of this separation between two groups of people who were all created and made by God. But we were too stubborn and too sinful to see it. We're doing it again today. We're doing it again today. We are, we are on a path of repeating history. It's just going to look different. And it's not a popular thing, and no, I'm not getting political, but now we have an issue of vaccinated or unvaccinated. It's true. There's some restaurants you can't go in unless you've got a vaccination. There's cities that don't want you there if you're not vaccinated. Here's the thing. There's people that are putting their hopes and their trust in, in, in so many things, and I'm not saying don't go get vaccinated. If you want to, you knock yourself out. I don't care. Again, I'm not getting political, but what I am saying is that we are putting other things in place of what God has put in place. And what that means is that my hope, my faith, my trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are churches today that will shut their doors on you if you don't have a vaccination. I don't know if you know that. At one point, this church questioned whether or not we should make people do something before they could walk through those doors. I said, no, I will leave. Because those doors have to be open to every single person in this community. And if they're not open to every single person in this community, then we have no place to be here anyway. Those doors are open to anybody. I don't care who you are, white, black, vaccinated, unvaccinated, gay or whatever. We know what Scripture says. We, we know that Scripture says that homosexuality is not okay. But you know what? I want them to come because I want them to hear the Word of God. I want them to hear truth. And I don't care who people are. My faith is in the Lord God. I will not die before He is ready to bring me home. I will not die before it is my time. He says that my days are numbered. He knows my days. He knew my beginning. He knows my end. My end is His history. It is His memory. The day that I will depart and I will stand before Him, He will go, I already knew how this was going to happen. He already knew if I was going to turn my heart to Him and if I was going to trust in Him. 
He already knew those things. He knew today that Laura was going to be getting baptized. He knew that she was going to give her heart to him just a couple of weeks ago. He already knew. He was like, Laura, I'm just waiting on you. I'm waiting on you with open arms. When Jesus himself was, was looked upon because he went and ate with tax collectors. They said, why would you go do that, Jesus? Why would you go eat with tax collectors? Those people are nasty and dirty and they were the scum of the earth. He said, well, I didn't come here for those that are, that are okay, that are, that are well. He said, I came for the lost and the sick. When Jesus walked up to the guy that had leprosy, that nobody else wanted to go and touch, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched this man who was unclean. And he made him well. Jesus wasn't concerned with the things of this world. He wasn't concerned with things that kept us separated. He wanted to bring people together. That was his ultimate goal. Bring us together so that we could believe and that we could receive salvation that can only be found in him. Only be found in him. It's what we want to do here in this place. It's what we have a heart and a desire to do here in this place is to have those doors open so that people can hear about what God's Word speaks. This woman in Samaria is asking questions, but there is this fear that has completely consumed her and is keeping her from hearing and receiving truth. We need to take those things, we need to cast them off. We need to take anything that gets in the way of our relationship with the Lord Jesus and we need to cast it off and we need to surrender it over to the Lord and just say, you know what, I belong to you and I've got trust in you and I've got faith in you that what needs to happen is going to happen. Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Did you, did you hear that? He says, everybody who drinks this water will be thirsty again. This woman who's so concerned about how Jesus is going to drink from this water, where he's going to get this water to give, like, he goes, it doesn't matter. Whoever drinks of this physical water, they're going to be thirsty again. But Jesus Christ is the only one who can give us true satisfaction, who can truly quench in us what is needed. He's the only one that can do it. The only person ever who will ever in this world be able to satisfy us truly? In John chapter 10, and we'll get there in weeks ahead, but I'm going to go ahead and share this with you now. It says, he says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so that there will be one flock, one shepherd. One flock, one shepherd. He says, for this reason, the Father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. And no one takes this from me, he says, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Did you hear that? Jesus says, I've got authority to do whatever I want. I lay down my life. I have the authority to do that. I can surrender myself and I can cover your sins and then I can pick my life back up again and I can raise myself from the dead to prove that I am the true Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior that has been foretold back in the Old Testament. Jesus is everything. And with him and this proof that he says, I am fully man and I am fully God and I am here to set the way forward, 
I'm going to give you a drink that is going to satisfy you like none other. She's hearing these words, and in, chapter, or in verse 15, she says, she says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or even have to come here to draw water. She's heard a message. She's heard Jesus speak, and it's changing her life in a moment's notice. Just like that. Just like that. She is blinking before the Savior, and just in the blink of an eye, she is being transformed. Her, her mind, her body, and her soul is beginning to understand. Have you ever felt this tug on you? That the Lord Jesus is just, His Spirit is talking to you, that He is sharing with you? See, we're so worried about this physical water, like she is worried about this physical water. But Jesus isn't talking about the physical water. He's talking about a spiritual renewal. Spiritual. It's of the heart. It's with your heart. Jesus says, I'm going to give this to you and you're never going to thirst again. Never. And when we can, when we can allow for our brains to, to, to unwrap itself and say it's not about the physical. It's about the, it's about the spiritual Brother Ray Sparrow used to talk about this kind of stuff all the time. Those of you who have been blessed to know who he was, amazing, amazing gentleman, and, and he used to talk about how, how he would sit down to the table and he would, he would have this dinner plate in front of him and he would say, Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for this food. And, and the Lord, he said, the Lord would speak to me and say, say, this is just physical. I give you spiritual food to eat. and You'll never hunger again. We need the spiritual water. We need the, the spiritual food. We need those spiritual things. We need Jesus in our lives. And we'll never thirst or hunger or hurt again. Jesus is able to cover all things. The woman, she doesn't understand and she wants to know, you know are you greater? Jesus, are you greater than Jacob? Truth is, he absolutely is 100% greater than Jacob. Is he greater than Jacob? He is greater than Jacob in every single way possible. Jesus created Jacob. Jacob was, was created and molded to do the things that he did because the Savior created and molded him to do just those things. Jesus is greater, but she's having trouble. And as we look into this again, say, Lord willing, the creek don't rise, next week we're going to be talking more about, about what, and what the next steps are for this woman and just how she's going to see Jesus revealed right before her eyes because he's going to start offering her up information that he shouldn't know if he's just merely a man. He's going to, going to know things and then he's going to give her a commandment of what she needs to do next to change her life. We're going to talk about those things next week. But today, where we land, just remember that, that Jesus is greater and that Jesus can give you this water, this water that can absolutely serve and quench your life beyond anything you could ever possibly imagine.
Remember, it says that if you're not a believer, there's one, one place that you're going. If you've not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's one place you go. It is to hell. And it says that when you're in hell, that not even a drop of water will begin to quench your thirst. Yet we have Jesus here sharing with us. He says, I've got living water. And you'll never thirst again. You've got a choice to make. You have to choose. Do you trust in Jesus? Do you follow Him? Do you follow His ways? Or do you just simply say, no, nah, I think I'm good enough and I'll take my chances? I encourage you not to take a chance. I encourage you to do exactly what Miss Laura did a couple weeks ago, what she did today, and say, no, I know Jesus Christ and I belong to Him now and I am a child of God. I belong to Jesus and no one can ever take me out of the Master's hand. Ever. Ever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you, Lord, that you, are, that you are here, that your spirit is strong. God, we praise you that, that you've allowed for today to just be this joyous occasion. Lord, that brought another to come to know exactly who you are. You've allowed for that obedience to be shown today and that, and that, that Lord has proclaimed you as her lord and savior publicly lord we thank you and we praise you for that we know that it's not because of who we are or anything that we do we know that it is only because of you by your forgiveness by your love by your blood shed on that cross that we receive forgiveness so lord today i pray that anyone here who has anything holding them back today i don't care what it is god you know that we are flawed. You know that we are like this woman at the well. You know that we have experienced things in our lives that, that push us away from you. That our minds say that we're not enough. That we say, we say, look, God, you don't want me. I'm unclean. We know that there's people who don't like us. We know that there's people who hate us. We know that, that, that maybe we have feelings like that towards other people and that, that we go, God, you know you don't want me because because my heart's not in the right place. But we are exactly who you're pursuing. It's because you love us. So Father, help us to surrender to you today. To cast anything that we have off. To open our hearts to receive you and to allow you to speak to us in a way that we could understand. And that we could be changed forever lives can be transformed and that we could receive this living water living water inside us that will never thirst again that with you will be satisfied in you will be satisfied because of your sacrifice we don't deserve it we don't deserve you but you see fit to love us anyway while we're still sinners died for us thank you Jesus thank you for what you've done in our lives we just praise you today we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ our Savior Amen